Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Oh, so the government is uh, just, just so oppressively uh, controlling, constantly looking for ways to literally get into your house and force you to do things, believe things that may be very well, maybe contrary to what you believe or your, you know, your culture that you grew up in wants you to live in. But the government just, it just won't relent. And somehow there's like this weird, almost idolic, idol, idol worshiping kind of weird religious uh, sect to it. And it's bizarre. But that's just the way Rome is. And in Jesus' life, that's what he was dealing with. Uh, I had you. I had you. Some of you were pretty fired up already. I can tell. You were like, oh, yeah, he's going there. (laughs) You're right. It is what Jesus dealt with. I don't know what you're dealing with. I'm just saying that's the culture Jesus was in. And, and I honestly get, I get overwhelmed thinking about how he changed the world without an army, without the internet. No, I'm serious. Honestly, it blows my mind. This is, this is the stuff that, like, when I meditate, I, I think, wait, wait, what? How did you do this? How did you do it? it blows my mind. Even, even, even before COVID, this used, to, this used to be a thing that went through me. Like, he didn't have all that I have. But he had something. That was incredibly powerful. He had love. He, he was love. He communicated constantly with the father of love. And he had a way to communicate that in this oppressive culture, both religious and governmental. And he changed the world. So, I listen there this is such a big subject I I've got pages of notes because 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 one of the ways that Jesus communicated was was through questions now now I I, I did a, a and well we all have done a bunch of stuff on the parables parables was another way that he communicated he communicated in such a way that that allowed people 
the freedom to walk in their own journey without being oppressed by Jesus. Literally, like if anybody could have been oppressive and been right, Jesus, right? He could have set everyone straight, just said, no, no, no. This is what I meant. But he, he, I can't tell you the number. I, I, I printed out all these questions. And I, I printed them out because they all have to do with stories. And I know me. I know me. And if, if I get, uh, it, would, I, we, yeah, it would be another pair. Maybe, maybe that's what I'll do. Someday my, my podcast will be the epic narrative on all the, all the Q&As with Jesus. But this is, what, this is what I want you to keep in mind as we roll through these. Jesus did not speak from a place of offense. That was one of the keys to his communication style. Jesus did not knowingly speak offensively. Now, people's response are their responsibility. But, but he did not go into this saying, I am gonna, I'll, I'll get him. <laughs> oh, have I got a question for you? Yeah, yeah, he was amazing. He didn't speak out of a place of frustration. Sometimes the way translations come out, we like to put the frustration in there because we, we get frustrated and we sound like that and we think, ah, yeah, God's just like me. Flip that around. You need to be just like him. And so you, we need you, me. Okay, maybe people at other churches. You guys are fine. But we need to be like him. We need to be love when we, when we communicate. He did not speak from a place of superior position or information. What? He had superior position and information. How did he do that? How did he do that? Because it is really hard for me when I know better than the person I'm talking to. He's so good at this. We can learn so much from him. And he did not speak from a place of desired conformity. He didn't approach a conversation by saying, I'm going to make sure that they get in line with what I'm trying to do. So, Jesus, he's awesome. Matthew 9, he's, uh, uh, people say, John, uh, then John's disciples came in and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? Jesus said, how can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? They're like, wait, what? No, we, we asked why John's disciples fast, the Pharisees fast, and your disciples don't. And Jesus said, yes. Why would you fast when the bridegroom is with you? What is he doing? He's not mocking them. He's asking them, listen, who or what is your focus on? Are you in the moment? You in the past? What are you trying to accomplish? He's inviting them into a journey, but he's not saying, you're wrong. He's saying, let me walk with you. Let's have a discussion. Trust me, when Jesus communicated, it does, he very seldom did the conversation end. It was a conversation that was going to take a long time. It's way easier if you're a dictator. You just just make a rule and keep on keep on rolling. Jesus was not that way. He had all kinds of time for people. 
Another one, Matthew 15. Then some Pharisees of the, uh, and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. That's also a tradition of my mother, just so you know. <laughs> Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Oh, no, no, no. We ask the questions here. We're the Pharisees. <laughs> Jesus, is, Jesus, again, I, remember where he's coming from. He's not coming from a place of frustration or a place of anger or a place of, try, you know, of trying to stir up trouble. Jesus is coming from a place of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is meek. Love is gentle. Love doesn't keep record of wrong. That's the voice of Jesus when he says, what do you say, Bob? So many notes. Why do, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? He's saying, what, what's the source of your behavior? I'm just curious. Help me understand. That's another way he could have phrased it. Or anybody could have phrased it if they were translating it. Help me understand where this question is coming from. What is it, what is it that, that you value that's causing you to wash your hands before you eat? And we'd all say, well, COVID? No. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, don't wash your hands. He's just saying, hey, where, where's, where does your tradition come from? Help me understand your journey. It's a fascinating question. Ask somebody about their journey. I, you know, it's one of the reasons why I love tattoos. Because they're always an easy question to ask. Where'd that one come from? And sometimes there's literally no, no story to it. And I just, I think, ah, bummer. <laughs> but it's a good place to start. I have all, all kinds of theories on tattoos. I really want to get one, but 35 years of asking, my wife still won't let me. <laughs> She's like, we got married. Your body belongs to me true <laughs> you lucky woman <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> if you want to know she will she would have let me get one in my life you'll have to ask her which one that was and why i didn't anyways Next, next one, his disciples answered him. He said, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Jesus' response, how many loaves do you have? He's like, what's in your hand? Let's work with what you got. I mean, is that not a beautiful way to interact with somebody who doesn't think they have enough? Somebody who's feeling like the resources in their life have dwindled to the point where they don't have enough to supply what needs to be supplied, Jesus says, well, well, what do you got? Fascinating. How he communicated love in that moment. He didn't scold them. He didn't say, oh, good grief, guys. Ignorant people I have to work with. No, he said, how many, how many loaves you got? 
See what let's start there. Fascinating. When love communicates, love communicates the idea that your journey is yours and it's valuable. I'm not going to get in the way of this. Man, that takes that takes some work sometimes because you you know where this you <laughs> I worked with you know with students for a long time and 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 adults because I tended to work with their their whole family and there were so many times where it would have been easier to interrupt somebody's journey but it would have just it would have stolen from them the value of where of of where they were going my role i always looked at my role as somebody to come along I, I'm just going to come alongside, walk with you as long as you give me that opportunity. And I think that's what Jesus did all the time. He was consistently communicating, listen, your journey is your journey and it's valuable. And as long as you want me here, I will walk with you. Love love is so powerful when it communicates. The, the value of the person that, that it's talking to and the, and the privilege it is for them to be with you. Is that, did I word that right? The, the, the privilege it is to walk along, for you to be with them. That's, that would have been a better way to put it, Bob. Thanks. I appreciate you working with me. Another one. Jesus and his disciples arrived at Capernaum, and the collectors of the uh, and the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, "Doesn't your teacher pay ta- uh, pay the temple tax?" "Yes, he does," he replied. When Peter came to the house, Jesus was the first to speak. "What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others?" Peter's like, wait, I really just, I just need the two drachmas. Like, could you just, I just need the money. <laughs> and Jesus is like, this is going to be great. I have a question for you. Are we family here on this earth? Or are we here to create enemies? Oh. And, and, and believe me, I, I don't want you to walk away saying, I now have the end information on all questions that Jesus asked. No, you don't. I'm just throwing things out. Your interaction with, with Scripture, your interaction with Jesus is vital. If nothing else, that's, you've got to grab that. Jesus, his whole physical ministry on earth, he constantly communicated, your journey's valuable. Your life is valuable. Your identity is valuable. And I'm here to walk with you. I'm not here to give you rules. I'm not here to give you the answers. I'm here to walk with you. This is how he changed the world. This is how he literally flipped an incredible... Do you have any idea how powerful Rome was? Powerful government. Unquestionable government. Well, you could question like once, and then you wouldn't question ever again because you'd be dead. Listen, Rome was so, uh, you know, they're, they're studied to this day because of their brilliance. 
to go into a land, the land in which they were fighting. And they would take the, the best and the richest and the smartest and they'd bring them back to their own, to their own city. They picked that up from the Babylonians, from Nebuchadnezzar, who was also a brilliant strategist. And they'd bring them in, and they would adopt them into the royal families, into the hierarchy of Rome. That's why Paul uses uh, uh, adoption so much in his illustrations, because Rome had, had just, they were so good at it. They would bring in these, these kids, these intelligent young people, they would adopt them, they would give them complete uh, access to everything of the elite culture. They would train them into the ways of Rome and then they would release them back into the country that they were stolen from as representatives and ambassadors of Rome. It's such a beautiful picture of what we do with, with Christ when we are his ambassadors here on earth. We literally are his children. That's the way it was for the Romans. Romans. And yet they were people that were, they were in theory, they were oppressing and destroying Oh, man. And and yet this voice, this voice of love was rattling their cage. They really shouldn't have cared what Jesus was doing. They should have looked at the the religious leaders and said, really, the guys mean nothing, nothing to us. We literally run the world. Crazy. Crazy what the voice of love will do. Hmm. Another, <laughs> move along, Bob. Number five, did you, do you hear that these child, what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, Jesus replied. Have you ever read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? <laughs> well, what's he asking there? Well, he's basically saying this. Disciples, have you missed the truth because you were too busy reading? Have you just missed it? It's okay. I'm just asking. Have you read this part? Because this, what you read is literally happening in front of you. Open up your eyes and see the truth. Experience the truth. Hmm... Ah, this is, this is a good one, right? Well, Jesus was in Bethany in the home of the man known as Simon the leper. A woman came to him with that alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which he poured out on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? This perfume could have been sold at a high price. The money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? Now that sounds to me like funny. <laughs> Sarcastic, maybe. A little frustrated. Why are you bothering her? I go back to who he is. He is love. So it, although I might have sounded like that, it didn't. In this, in this question, Jesus is saying, listen, everybody's journey and the way that they interact and praise and worship me is theirs. I let you do what you want. Right? Sometimes we, we really like a certain part of, like, this is, this is what I do to worship. This is, this is me. This is who I am. And then somebody else is doing something else, and you're like, oh, 
they're clearly not connected to God because they're not doing what I do. I, I, uh, I, I would have to fall in that category for a long time in my life. It was, man, you had to do it right. And of course, I was the one, I was the standard by which that was. Say, but Bob, you know, you tend to do a lot of things. And I'd say, yeah. And there were other people who would never do nothing. Clearly, they were not feeling the, the love of Jesus in their life. <laughs> You're sitting still. No, you got to at least rock a little bit. But you don't. Your journey and worship is yours. Now, I know some of you want to bring in tambourines. You're not allowed to do that in this house, just, just so you know. Your journey with Jesus is Jesus, but here we got to all work together. And some of you can't keep time to save your life. You are not allowed to have a tambourine. <laughs> or I will come speak to you and ask you questions. Where did that come from? And what are you doing with it here? <laughs> I'm trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins have been forgiven. So some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, what are you, what, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say the paralytic, paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say get up and take, take up your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. I think in his own way, he was inviting the, the teachers of the law to say, all right, are you going to let your head get in the way of what love does? Because I can, love, love does whatever is necessary to benefit the person that they're with. And it was in the, that guy's best interest for him to have, have know that his sins were forgiven, probably because for his whole life he thought it was his sins that made him parallel. And Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to lift that burden right off of you. I'm going to release you from the lies that are bound up in your whole spirit. I'm going to release you from that and know that you are loved by God. And the Pharisees are like, no, 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 love, no. Love would never do such a thing. He's like, no, nah, don't, I, I'm just, just, let's walk with this, Mr. Pharisee. Is your head getting in the way of what love does? Had to be fascinating for them, right? Had to be. And while they're, while they're probably thinking, I mean, it's, that's, a, that's a heart question. So they, they hear the question from Jesus, and it's like, whoa, yeah, it's a very good question. And then he says, hey, you, the next thing you need now that you're released from the lies that you believed, you might as well get up and go home. You know what I want? I really want to have the rest of that conversation with the Pharisees. I'm sure this guy went home dancing, having a great time. He, his life was turned around. I want to know what the Pharisees did. Because what do you do with, when you're impacted with, by love? I've met people who have been impacted by love. Their, their lives are never the same. 
Jesus had hundreds of Pharisees that walked with him. Not all at once, but throughout, throughout his three years. They were constantly coming in and out of his ministry because they, they always were looking for ways to trip him up. I'm, I'm guessing most of them walked away, changed forever. That's why they had to keep sending him more. Right? <laughs> it was, I'm sorry, this is, this is an impromptu illustration. I, I, I pictured the testimony of Daryl Lynn going to Toronto. <laughs> they came back and, and they stood the ground on their experience and they ended up leaving the denomination that they had started the church under. Because they couldn't deny what had happened. They couldn't deny what love had done. I think that's what happened to a lot of Pharisees. Jesus was changing the world. He communicated that knowing yourself is important or you can't do the internal work necessary to live out who you really are. A lot of people like to be labeled. A lot of people... Like there's, there, is, there is value in doing things that will tell you what your character, you know, your general characteristics are like, whether, you know, it's four questions at the back of, are there magazines anymore? I don't know. Yes. I'm sure there's magazines. I've seen them. So maybe you have a magazine and there's a quiz. You take a, you know, a five question quiz and now you know everything there is to know about yourself. That's fine. Awesome. Or you do something like uh, Enneagrams which have like 150 questions, or Strength Finders, which has like 1,000 questions. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't matter. You do all this stuff, and you get information, which is valuable. But then what do you do with it? Because, uh, who told me this? Uh, Serena, who is, loves and knows a ton about, way more about Enneagram than I ever will. She said, you can't use this information as a shield to hide behind or a sword to beat people up with. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you're right. Because a lot of people like that. They, they want an identity to hide behind. And then if you try to question it, they just beat you over the head with it. No, this is, deal with me. This is who I am. <laughs> Sometimes people just do that. They don't even know who they are. They're just beating you over the head with, this is who I am. <laughs> When I was growing up, it was all about your ethnic background. Well, they're German. They don't think anything's funny. Or, you know, they're Italian. Or, hey, well, they're... I had people from all over in my, my family, so I, I didn't know what was going on half the time. On with the story, Bob. You are stuck in the middle of this. As Jesus communicated, he was always saying, no, you, you are, your journey is important. You can't do your journey unless you know what's going on inside of you. You have to do that kind of headspace. But Jesus also communicated this. There was always, he was a safe space to grow and to change, to be wrong. A lot of... My grandfather, also named Bob Switzer, I, I love that guy. But as I observed him, there were, there were things that I know he said that he did no longer believed, but he did not know what to do with the change because it would have meant years of being wrong. I, I, I know he's fine now. He's, he's with Jesus. Everything's good. But 
I know it to my core. And I've met people like that now. Well, this is the way we, I've always, I don't know what else to do. Yes, actually you do. You're afraid to do it. Because we've been taught you can't be wrong. We've been environment, in environments that say, I can't change. If I change now, what will happen? And that fear steals from you what love is inviting you into which is to change and grow and become stronger in who you are and what you were made to be. Jesus was constantly inviting people into that journey, and he does it today. Sorry. All right. Let me continue. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to skip way ahead. All right. Another one. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Why are you searching for me? (laughs) Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That's a fascinating story. But even there, I don't think he he was trying to be sarcastic to his parents. I don't think he was trying to belittle them. I think he was asking them, who do you think I am? And if you thought I was the Messiah, if you thought I was born of a virgin, then what did you think I would be doing? And that concept is so good to keep in mind when we do approach somebody who maybe their behavior isn't matching up to what? To what we know them to be. If anybody knew that Jesus was born of a virgin, it would be Mary and Joseph. If anyone knew that he was the Messiah. And he's just asking them, listen, if you, if you know who I am, then you know what I need to do. And when we go to somebody and we think, I got to set them straight, instead ask them these questions. Hey, who are you? Who are you connected to? Then help me understand this behavior. Help me understand what's going on here. Because from what I know of you, a child of God who's loved of God, empowered by God, who has a brand new spirit that was given to them by God, who's light in a dark place, who's filled with hope and joy and patience. This is what I know you to be. So help me understand this, because this doesn't look like that. I'm just curious how you work it out. And there, in that moment, you become a safe place for them to work it out. You become a safe place for them to, to be wrong because you've already, you've already come from a position that says, I know this about you. This is what I know to be true. And we hold them without judgment. They give their answer. They say, well, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Say, all right, well, that's fine. 
I just, I was just curious. I don't have to know what you were thinking. I don't have to set you right. I don't have to demand conformity. I'm not frustrated or or upset or offended by your behavior. I just want to walk with you, if you let me. I just want to be a place, uh, a relational connection that allows you to experience love. I don't care what your choices have been. That's literally what Jesus did over and over and over again, despite the tyrannical government and the religions around him. And he changed the world. (laughs) All right. Let's see. No, I've already covered that point. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Man, hundreds of verses. Why'd you write all these down? All right. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do you not know the things that have been happening there in these days? Oh my goodness, he's on the road to Emmaus. If anybody knew what had happened in Jerusalem these last few days, it would have been Jesus. What did he say? He's like, no, uh, well, he said, what, what things? What things? They, they were astonished. This is what Jesus was communicating in that moment. This is what love communicates. Listen, I want to know what was important to you. I want to know what your experience was in Jerusalem these last few days. Because you have value. Your journey is valuable. Jesus literally could have talked for 24 hours a day. He had so much truth to reveal. And what did he do? He spent most of his time listening to people who really did not know what they were talking about. (laughs) How much fun is that? He, he, He just... He just... Had a, probably a lot of internal conversations with, with his father. Wait, what did you want? What, what, what am I, what, how, do I, how do I even start with this guy? <laughs> Give him a safe place. Ask him what, what they experienced. This, is, this was amazing. What things? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's room and be born. Jesus says, uh, you're a teacher in Israel, and you don't understand these things? He's like, but I'm just curious, Nicodemus, have you stopped learning? Do you think you've actually gotten to the end of all knowledge? Because that, in essence, was the the the... The theme behind Nicodemus' question was, I know everything. And I know you can't be born again. So clearly you're wrong. And Jesus is like, I'm just curious. Have you stopped learning? Now we know, right, Jesus ends up with Nicodemus, we, 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 you know, we see Nicodemus showing up 
at the at the crucifixion. Like there's all kinds of connections. That doesn't happen if Jesus walked in and said, Nicodemus, you're you're just an idiot. You clearly, you think you're a teacher and you don't know these truths? Well, let me set you straight. Nope. Couldn't be. Because he developed a relationship with Nicodemus. Uh, To communicate and lead like this, like Jesus did, meant that he refused to be offended (laughs) by people's lack of knowledge or their arrogance. And usually they go hand in hand, right? The most (laughs) arrogant people are the ones who don't know anything. No, I wouldn't say that. Okay, no, it's true. Most of the time. Why? Because they're protecting the fact that they are clueless about what's going on. So they're just going to get loud and obnoxious and powerful. And they're going to beat you up or imprison you or take you to a concentration camp, whatever Rome was doing. Re-educating you, adopting you into their families. Yeah. I like this one here. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby him struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus says, if I did something wrong, testify as to what was wrong. If I spoke the truth, then help me understand why you hit me. Whoa. Whoa. Jesus Jesus literally said to somebody in this phrasing, all right, I could be wrong. What? Jesus can't be wrong. No. But he left room in the conversation to be wrong. That blows my mind because, man, we know the truth. And I'm going to speak the truth in love and I'm going to make sure you you believe the truth because I love you. Jesus' loving response was, well, I could be wrong. So if I'm wrong, help me understand where I'm wrong. If I was right, just help me understand why you hit me. What is he doing? He's... He's inviting that person into a journey, into an internal journey, saying, what's wrong? What's going on inside of you that you would strike out at me? I'm curious. Help me understand your behavior. Listen, Jesus was an incredible leader. Jesus was bold. Jesus was righteous. Jesus was holy. I'm not taking any of that away from him. He was so much of those things that he literally caused the religious system and the governmental system to freak out. And yet he did not need an army. He did not need the internet. If you're going to practice communication and love, it's, it's going to take a little bit of work. It's practice for a reason. You might get it wrong. When you get it wrong, you get the opportunity to go back and try it again. Those are fun conversations. And they're fun not because... They're not fun. I don't say that sarcastically. They're fun because 
Because you get to undo the damage that you did in a relationship. It brings restoration. It changes their world. It's pretty fun when you get it wrong. Not that you should be trying to, I'm just saying. You get to go back and work it out. You, you, you might, if you're practicing love, <laughs> you might not say anything at all. Oh, man, but I have so many good things to say. You might not say a thing. Cracks me up sometimes. I've, I've been in, in situations where I know the person I'm sitting with thinks we're in a conversation. But all I'm doing is listening. <laughs> they don't, they, they walk away. I'm 100% convinced they think I agree with them. I, I know they do. And I think I don't agree with it. Maybe, maybe one thing I agree with. 1% of what you said I might agree with. But you have no idea because you never asked me any questions. But that's the, that's the unfortunate picture of the type of communication most of us are familiar with. Monologues. Monologues of information. People who only listen to release information. If anybody could have done that, it should have been Jesus. And yet he constantly asked questions. He constantly invited people into relationship. He constantly was, was showing love, and pa- uh, love, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness in, in all of the verbiage that he used. You'll find that when you create these kind of safe spaces, people you don't agree with actually like to be around you. And that becomes quite a conundrum. <laughs> people, people just will want to tell you things and you think, okay, but can you, like, I, I wonder internally, like how many times Jesus was like, can you just ask me a question? I'd really, I'd really like to release some information on you. And when I feel that way, I just go right to, to Heavenly Father. I'm like, all right, just if, trust me, if you open this door, I'm going in. And he off, usually, you can tell, because if, you, if you're ever observing me, I'll just start to smile, because I'm hearing him say, that's not what I have you here for. You're just a safe space for my friend, my child, my son, my daughter, who just needs somebody to listen to. And I think, this is awesome. (laughs) I think Jesus listened to so many people in those crowds. So many times, like on the Mount of Olives, we, we, we read it like it was like this sermon on the Mount. These were paragraphs of of thoughts that he would release into the crowd, and the disciples and Jesus would then discuss for hours the concept that he threw out. Parables were the same way. Parables, Jesus didn't invent parables. parables. Parables have been around for a while. Rabbis used them all the time. Why? To create an environment where discussion could take place. I want to encourage you to create an environment where discussion could take place. I want to invite you to ask questions of people and just see. And don't ask because you got the answer. (laughs) Well, 
<laughs> no, Bob, don't do it. All right, I won't. Sorry. <laughs> I had a few questions, controversial questions to throw out, but I wouldn't, I just wouldn't do it. Like, you know, would Jesus, don't, would Jesus, stop it. <laughs> would, okay. Would Jesus have wore a mask to see the lepers? That's all I wanted to ask. That's all I wanted to ask. Would Jesus have wore a mask when he went to the leper colony? That's it. That's it. I, 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 can't, I came up with others. But you know what? Time is up. And we're going to... I want to discuss that amongst yourselves at lunch. And uh, I, appreciate, I do appreciate your patience with this. This was, this was an unusual message for me, if you know me. To have this amount of this amount of scripture, I felt like Jonathan uh, Gale up here, but but I think it's important that we communicate well in these times, and that we remember that Jesus was under similar times, and He changed the world, so we can change the world together. Let's do that. Thank you guys so much. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.